Thank you, Pastor. It's just a joy to be able to be here. We certainly thank the Lord for you and Susan, how much you mean to us. And I really mean that, uh, you know, you've been around for a while and known a lot of people, but uh, you guys certainly have a special place in our hearts and pray for you in this church every day and thank God for uh, each of you and what you mean to us. It's always good to be able to come back to Calvary and Baptist Church. I was thinking as he said, he, the first time he uh, reached out to me was finally uh, trying to say something or do something that I would come. Well, he had the best tool ever, he ever needed. All he had to say was mention the name Bonds, Mrs. Bonds. She's a member of your church. You mention that, I'll come all the time just for her. She's always a blessing. And what a joy it is to be able to be here at Calvary Baptist Church. It's always good to see Vincent and Cheryl. And uh, now it's good to see the Simfukwes out here visiting today, or being here today. Good to see you all and the kids and what you all mean to us there at Crossroads Baptist Church. And thank you, Calvary. Thank you for praying for us, praying for my son, and praying for our church, and praying for me. And appreciate your help for our child care center as well, and all that you all have done uh, over the years. And, of course, I always get a coconut cake when I come down here. That's worth the trip uh, by itself. And uh, so we just have a lot to be thankful for. And uh, thank you for pe being a part of our lives. As we get older, you find out you reflect a lot. I'm not preaching as much as I used to. And, and I find myself uh, thinking a little bit over the years. And I've uh, certainly been blessed to have uh, gone through a lot of open doors, had a lot of opportunities. And I thank God for each one of them and what you all have meant to us over the years has been just a vital part of my life. So thank you. I trust that you'll have a, a great Bible conference. And in my opinion, you have uh, the greatest preacher that I know will be here the next couple of nights. And you pray uh, he'll thrill you. And uh, I've watched him preach since he was a little boy. And I certainly thank the God for him. And uh, I know he'll feel right at home. He called us as we just got close here. And we talk every day. And I certainly thank the Lord for another Bible conference, and thank you for having us these many years to be able to come and be a part. Uh, take your Bibles, if you would, and uh, <clears throat> turn with me uh, to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. I thank the Lord for my wife who's traveled all over the world in different places for me and being uh, here, and I certainly thank the Lord. She said all the way down here, looks. I think we've been to this, this church more than any other church, and she's right, and you came and said that, and that meant a lot uh, to us. Uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 4, and once you find your place, if you're physically able to stand, I want you to stand with me, and I'm just going to read a couple verses. We're going to look at a couple of other passages in another book here as we go along, but uh, I want to share what God's laid upon my heart here for this special time. Good to have a number of visitors here. That's always a good sign for a church, and if you're visiting, you're visiting in a great place, and we certainly thank the Lord for what Calvary Baptist Church is doing, not only for this area, but doing for the world. Second uh, Timothy, uh, chapter number four, and I like to read in verse number 10. Second Timothy, chapter four, verse number 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, uh, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. 
Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for a local New Testament church that has a, a Bible conference where they can get into the Word of God and hear what our great God has said. Know oh, how we need it uh, today, this world in which we live. I pray you'll bless this meeting. I pray you'll bless this morning service. Thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl who's come today. And God, I pray that you'll take the Bible, God's inspired Word, and I pray you'll challenge our hearts, and I pray you'll do something in our lives that'll make a difference. The local church is the very heartbeat of Almighty God. It's not an organization, it's an organism. We need every man, every woman, every boy, every girl to give his or her best to help this church to do what God wants it to do to reach the world. Now, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for Pastor Ray and Susan. Thank you for what they mean to us. Thank you for what they mean to this church. I pray you'll bless this church in a special way. Take me as your servant. I need, first of all, that you would cleanse me of any sin. Then, God, empty me of self. Fill me with thine Holy Spirit. Please help me to be a blessing to these people who are here today. There'll be one here today who's never come to know Jesus Christ. I pray you'll save that soul today. Make a difference, and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. When Paul wrote uh, 2 Timothy, uh, it is believed that he was in his second imprisonment, about to be beheaded for serving God. Can you imagine that? Uh, the greatest missionary, greatest church planner, greatest preacher, I believe, uh, greatest Christian we find in the Bible, served God from the time that he got saved, and now he's in prison. And in prison, he's got a chance to be able to think and look back uh, over uh, his life. Uh, he's an old man now and about ready to leave the scene, and he's looking back uh, at all that had happened from the time that God had saved him on the Damascus Trail and, 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 and took one who chased Christians, and now he's chasing sinners to make them a Christian. And here he is now, about to die. Paul always realized something that every preacher realizes today. You don't build a great church just based on a preacher. You need men, women, boys, and girls that will be co-laborers, who will be servants, who will get involved, who will understand it's not just about the preacher. I mean, it's, it's about every man, every woman, every boy and girl giving his very best to make this organism what God wants it to be. So Paul was always appreciative and thankful for that. As a matter of fact, we find that in the book of Romans, chapter 16, he mentions more than 25 men and women who had served with him in this great task that God had called him uh, to do. Three names mentioned several times in the Bible in his writing were the names Demas, Mark, and Luke. Now I want you to picture Paul in jail longing in his heart for companionship. And I would imagine when you're, you, you're in a situation where he was, uh, you think a lot. And as you think about people and you're looking for some companionship, you're looking for some joy, you're looking for some peace. But I find out that sometimes the older you get, 
and you think a lot, and I tend to think a lot. Sometimes you think about certain people over the years. I'm in my, four, our church is almost 42 years old now, so uh, from the beginning, and you begin to think about all that has happened, and certain names will come to your mind, and it's a source of joy. Other names will come to your mind, and it brings about tears. Picture this old servant of God, about to leave this earth, an old man, and thinking about the people who started out as Christians with him, co-laborers with him, companions with him. And some brought joy, some brought excitement, some brought a smile, but unfortunately, some brought heartbreak. And now this old man thinks about demons. He thinks about Mark. He thinks about Luke. And each one of them brought something different to him. Each one was a Christian. Each one was a companion. Each one was a co-laborer. But as he thought about them, each one, who started out a certain way, had gone a different direction. And this man has to think through this on his last few weeks or months or whatever he had left before he died. And all of this went through his mind. Every time I read this, I'm, I think about these three men. They bring about a portrait what the local church is about. You see, Demas is not here, but his actions are there. Mark is not here, but there are actions like Mark. Luke is not here, but thank God, there are actions like Luke. You see, every church has somebody like Demas, and somebody like Mark, and somebody like Luke a portrait of what the local church is, is and should be. I've never seen more turmoil in the local church than what I see today. I've never seen more pressure. I've never seen more disappointment. I've never seen more struggles than today. But thank God, through it all, there's still some men and women who believe the local church is the program of God. It's the pillar and ground of the truth. It was purchased with his own blood. It's still what God wants it to be, and it will be that way until Jesus comes back. I want to begin this Bible conference this week by taking a look at this portrait. I want to take a look at this companion, this Christian, this co-laborer who started with the greatest man in the Bible. And I want you to imagine what he had to think about in his last days. And I don't want you to think about preachers like myself. Can't put Brother Ray there. He's not that old. But think about when we're traveling on a plane or driving a car or lying in a bed 
and you focus on the men and women and young people in your local church, and you take a look at that portrait, how many times you see a Demas? How many times you see a Mark? How many times do you see a Luke in this organism that you're trying to get do what God wants it to be? Let's take a look at this portrait. Now, I'm a preacher, so I alliterate things so you can remember it a little easier. So uh, we're going to call each one of them, uh, the last thing we're going to end with is the word Christian. We're going to say that, that, that uh, uh, Demas was a Christian, and Mark was a Christian, and Luke was a Christian. And then I'm going to put a word in front of that that we're going to look at, and then I'm going to give you what they did to kind of understand why we said this is the kind of Christian. Now you can title this message if you want to. I've given it many titles. You could call it uh, uh, the kind of what three kinds of Christians in the church or three kinds of companions in the church or three kinds of co-labors in the church. Doesn't matter with me, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to, tell, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a name. I'm going to call it today Three Kinds of Christians in the Church. And we're going to start with Demas. Let's, let's look at this character. He says, for Demas, verse 10, hath forsaken me. Now here's what I call Demas. I call him a renegade Christian. So, oh, what a horrible word. I call him a renegade companion. I call him a renegade co-labors. Now, I've been to Calvary so many times over the years, and here's my opinion. We don't have any renegades in here. Say, so now you can go ahead and preach, preacher. So I want you to just kind of listen and, 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 and just understand that this doesn't apply to you, so uh, think about up the road, Crossroads Baptist Church, I've had some renegades. Okay, over the 42 years, I've had some renegades. We have more in churches today than I've ever seen in my 47 years of being a Christian. But let's describe biblically what this renegade Demas was like. He said, Demas hath forsaken me. Let's go back and look at the position he held when he was with the Apostle Paul. He's mentioned a couple times in Colossians 4.14. He says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you in Colossians 4.14. In Philemon 24, he says, Demas, my fellow laborer. So this man at one time in life, keep in mind, Paul's in jail thinking about him. He thought about the time that he was a co-laborer. I mean, he worked with Paul. In other words, here's the kind of position Demas held at one time. He was a worshiper of Jesus Christ. You could walk where Paul was, and they would get down together and worship Christ. When they were in the local New Testament church, Demas was not only a worshiper of Christ, but he was a worker in the church. 
What a position he held. Not only was he a worshiper of Christ and a worker in the church, but when it came to Christianity, he walked consistently. When they were going out trying to win people to Christ, he witnessed courageously. Now see if you'd agree with me. That's a pretty good position to hold in the local church. That's what Demas was. Now let me ask you this. How many would say, we got some Demases in our church now that hold that composition? Don't we have some people that worship Christ? Walk consistently, witness courageously, and worship Christ? That's what Demas was like. Now let's continue on in verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and departed to Thessalonica. So he started out in this respectable position, but now all of a sudden he has a regretful problem. Here was his problem. I'm talking about the Demas who witnessed and worked and walked and worshipped. That same Demas, in that respectable position, now has a regretful problem. Here's the problem. He loved the world. He couldn't turn loose the world. There wasn't enough worshiping that made him turn loose the world. There wasn't enough witnessing that made him turn loose the world. There wasn't enough walking after the things of God that made him turn loose the world. He just couldn't turn loose the world. You're talking about demons who witnessed and worship and walked. Couldn't turn loose the world. He loved the world so much that he left the work and looked for something else when he had the best, when he had the worship and the work and the witnessing and the walk. If you love the world enough, you'll leave Christ. But if you love Christ enough, He'll leave the world. Demas made a choice. And the end result, I'm standing here today preaching about him because this same man now ruined his testimony. And now he's paying the price. You see, the sad thing about renegades, and renegades destroy churches, her churches. I wonder sometimes, Brother Ray, if people re don't realize how needful born-again sinners are to the local church. Oh, God wants our time. God wants our talent. God wants our treasure. God wants us to understand that the church is the program of God and is not enough just to worship and witness and walk if you love the world. 
And Demas shows us in this portrait how anybody in a local church, if you can't turn loose the world, you will leave the world. That's Demas. The Apostle Paul, in his last days, had to think about that. Can you imagine what it did to him when he thought about Demas and how much it hurt him and grieved him in his last days? There's Demas. The second one I want you to look at. So Demas was a renegade Christian. Renegades leave and they don't come back. They don't go anywhere else and serve God any better. They just love the world more than they love the Lord. And how sad it is to the local church. But then he said in verse number 11, he said, only Luke is with me. Take Mark, Mark, and bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. I would understand that Demas was a renegade. I call Mark, and you'll see in a few moments, a runaway. He's a runaway Christian. He's a runaway companion. He's a runaway co-laborer. He has some of the same early credentials that Demas had working with Paul. Let's look first at how resourceful he was. Hold your finger here, and I want you to turn back to the book of Acts for just a moment. Acts chapter 12. Let's take a look at this, this co-labor, this church member, this Christian. How resourceful. Well, what is Paul thinking about? He's thinking about what he did at the beginning, how much he helped, how much he meant, how much he was needed. So his mind goes back and he's thinking about Mark. In Acts chapter 12, verse number 12, I want you to notice his resourcefulness. He said in verse 12, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. You want to know how valuable, how resourceful he was? In the tough days, he had prayer meeting in his house. He wasn't afraid to say, let's get together and pray for the things of God. Let's sacrifice. Put aside fear. Let's be resourceful. He was that kind of a servant. That kind of a Christian. Look at verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. He not only had prayer meeting in his house, but when they went on their first missionary journey, they took with them Mark. Mark was that valuable. I mean, when God called these men to go on the mission field, they looked around at all the servants, and there were a lot of them. And they took Mark. 
A man who wasn't afraid to pray, wasn't afraid to have prayer meeting in the house. They took him on their first missionary journey. Wow, what a servant, what a co-laborer, what a companion Paul had. But then go to Acts chapter 15, something happened. Acts chapter 15, they come back off of their first missionary journey. And I want you to notice in verse 37, Acts chapter 15, verse 37. And Barnabas de determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Something happened between the first one and the second one, I'm talking about a man who had prayer meeting in his house, went on a missionary journey with these two great missionaries. When they get ready to go the next time, this great servant Paul, for some reason, says, we can't take Mark, who went with, not with us. I'm going to throw a word in there that might not totally fit, I don't know, but I've seen enough to know that their co-labors and their Christian people will get on fire when things are easy, but when things get a little tough, they rebel or reject or re, uh, refuse. Uh, of course, we don't have any folks like that in Calvary. Everybody who go to prayer meeting and anybody who would go soul winning, there's no way in the world that you're gonna get upset if they tell you things like, you need to tithe, you need to go on visitation. You need to even come to church rather than just watch online if you can. I mean, they expect too much of me. It's one thing to start out resourceful, but if you make it too hard, a little bit of rebellion just kind of set in. So maybe John Mark said, that's a little bit too hard to go on that second one. He, he just said, go back home to mama. We got church members who start out on fire for God until they realize there's sacrifice required, there's giving required, there's holiness required. I mean, living for God required, that's just old-fashioned. And boy, COVID hadn't helped us at all. I talk to preachers all the time. They're talking about some people who are physically able. I'm not talking about people who can't. Don't come back to church anymore. It's too hard. If I go to church, I gotta get dressed. I gotta look a certain way. I mean, I can go to church online just in bed and, and cook at the same time and do all of these kind of things. But to get up and get dressed and drive in this crazy world? That's too hard. And we see that all the time. So let's say John Mark was resourceful but then he got a little rebellion. But Paul says, back in our text, if you turn there, he said, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. Now notice this. For he, I'm talking about that same Mark that he wouldn't take on the journey, 
for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Apparently, this great man of God saw something happen to John Mark that made him realize he's profitable for the ministry. So I kind of put it, put it this way. He starts out resourceful. Then he becomes rebellious. rebellious. And then back in our text, we see there's some restoration. Oh my goodness. He shows us something that we see a lot happen today and thank God for it. We see people start out on fire, rebel against the things of God, recognize what they've done, repent if it's something sinful, I mean return to what they left and then get restored and received and rejoice with the church of the living God. Oh, I can look back over these 42 years and I've seen people who start out on fire for God. And sometimes I'm thinking, and then you wonder what happened, and you find out they left because of this reason or that reason. And it may be one year, two years, three years, or like a lady in our church was gone for nine years when her children were little children, came back now, they're teenagers, and was on fire for God, singing the choir, all of that happened, ran away for nine years, came back with two teenagers, back in our church on fire for God and just excited because she tells us that she realized that God is a God of second chances. Oh, God wants it. Oh, can you imagine if we could get all the runaways to come back to what one time every preacher I know can stand up and say, I've heard people stand up in my church and give a testimony about their love for God and, and, and their love for the local church and all of a sudden run away from that which they have bragged so much about and talked so much about. But let me tell you something. There's a God in heaven when he moves on that heart and that person realizes how good it is to be in the church of the living God. How great it is to be a servant. I mean, his grace is still amazing. And what comes back and shows us today that there's a God of second chances. Now let me ask you something. No renegades here. Any runaways? Probably nobody in here has ever started out on fire, got a little rebellious, left for a while. And by the way, if when you do, you will find out if you're a child of God, and you run away from the things of God, at some point in time, he's going to let you know. And it's a good thing when you know and return to what you left, you find out that it's even better the second time. May God help us to understand God's in the business of runaways coming home, being received. And by the way, let me throw this in, church. I don't care how long somebody run away from God if they run back to God, you ought not to be looking at them strange. You ought to be rejoicing and loving and praying for them and helping them and thanking God every day of your life for them. So we have 
No renegades here. We have no runaways. So here is the last one, and this is where every man, woman, boy, and girl is at Calvary, right? Well, let's look, take a look at John. He's, I mean Luke. He said, only Luke is with me. So if Demas is a renegade and John Mark is a runaway who came back, then I call Luke Mr. Reliable. Oh, let me tell you something. And by the way, thank God that the majority of church members are not renegades. The majority of church members are not runaways. The majority of church members are like John. But the, the lesson to learn is that even those who are like that can become one of the others. Let's take a look at Mr. Reliable. He said, only Luke is with me. Well, what's so special about Luke? Let's go back to Acts chapter again. Let's go to Acts chapter 16 and see if this is where. Luke is kind of a type of steadfast Christian. I mean, he, he, he just kind of said, you know what? This thing about salvation is so good. This thing about Jesus is so wonderful. This thing about the local church is so great. Where am I going? Why would I stop? Why would I run? Why would I give my time and talent to the world? And let's look at his life. We find the Macedonian call here. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. And we, let's look at verse number 7. And I want you to notice the, the way this is phrased. The words are important in the Bible. As he's writing, he says, after the second word, they were come to Mysia. They, the group he's writing about, Paul and all the others that are with him, assayed to go into Bithynia. But the spirit suffered, allowed them not. Verse 8, and they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to who? Paul. In the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him and sang, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Now notice verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, Paul, immediately, I want you to notice, he said, We, we, endeavored to go into Macedonia as surely gathering that the Lord had called what? Us for the preach the gospel unto them. Here was this vision that appeared to Paul. All of a sudden, he stopped saying what they were doing and he started saying what we ought to be doing. He started saying, it's not only what Paul saw, but what, what, what Paul saw affected me. And all of a sudden, the day shifted to us and we. You see, he started strong. So did Demas. So did the other fellow. What's his name? Mark. They all started strong. Now let's go forward in Acts chapter 27. And I want you to notice something else. He started strong, 
just like the others did. But here's the difference in Luke. And here's what makes local New Testament churches. Here's what we ought to strive to be. In Acts chapter 27, Paul now is a prisoner in a storm. And now Luke is writing. Let's read in verse 27. And when it determined, and when it was determined that, notice this, we should sail. Let's go down to verse number three. And the next day we touched, verse number four, and we had lunched, verse number five, and we had sailed over, verse number seven at the end of it, put us therein, I mean verse number six, verse number seven, we had sailed, a little bit further down, we sailed, go down to verse number 15, we let her drive, verse number 18, we being exceedingly, go over to verse number 23, whose I uh, and who I serve, uh, let's go verse 37 rather, notice here, when the boat crashed and everything happened, notice this, and we were all in the ship. Go to chapter 28, verse number 2. And the barbarous people showed us. Here's the thing. Luke not only started strong, but he stayed in the storm. You see, reliable Christians, they not only start out strong. When it's easy, they're there. When it's tough, they're there. When the storms come, they're there. That's what God wants every man, every woman, every boy, every girl in the local church. It's not enough to start strong, but I got to stay strong. Oh, the church will go through all kinds of battles. And that old man in jail was thinking about, oh, Luke was there. Luke was there when we started, but Luke was there through the storm. And then he said last thing, only Luke is with me. I'm about to be beheaded. But guess who's here? Luke. He's steadfast. He understands how good it is to serve a good God. And he says, it was good at the beginning. He's good during the storms. And he's good at the end. Oh, would to God that we understand how wonderful it is to be a servant. How wonderful it is to be a companion. How wonderful it is to be a co-laborer. After all, I was a sinner headed to a place called hell. And one day Jesus, by his grace, reached down, looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. Save my soul, which guaranteed me heaven. Look, if nothing else ever happened in my life, just to go to heaven ought to be enough to serve him. But he says, you know what, my child? I saved you, but I've got a 
organism down there called the local New Testament church. And you know what? I want you to get saved, get baptized, be a part of it. And I'm going to put a shepherd in there to be able to lead you. He's going to feed you. He's going to teach you. He's going to lead you. And you know what he needs? Some companions, some co-labors, some church members who will start strong, stay during the storm, be steadfast through it all. And you know what I want to use? I want to use you and you and you. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. You know, if you're a renegade and you want to chase after the world, there are consequences. I'm not going to take away my salvation, but you're going to find out that the way of the transgressor is hard. You'll find out that when you get out there. I, can, I know some people who decided that they want to go back to the world. They'll find out the transgressor, the way of the transgressor is hard. And you know what? If you start out strong and you, you get going for a while and it gets a little tough and you run away, I'm a God of second chances. I'll forgive you. And guess what? Not only will I forgive you, my church will receive you and use you for the glory of God. But you know what is so needed? Need some Lukes. I need some that'll start strong. Stay during the storm and be steadfast, unmovable. Let nothing move you away from the grace of God that's bestowed upon your soul to save you, put you in a good Bible-believing church where you can plug into, get fed, fed, and you're going to get fed, fed. The preaching of the Word of God will mend you, and you will go out if you're a Luke, you will minister to other people and then you will mature enough in your Christian life to start strong, stay during the storm, and be steadfast, unmovable at the very end of your Christian life. What kind of a Christian in Calvary Baptist Church are you in this portrait? A renegade? A runaway or a reliable. Maybe you're not a renegade. Maybe you've never run away, but you ought to beg God to help you never get to that point to always be reliable like Luke. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Now I preached this portrait about Christians. Renegades Renegades, our Christian people are renegades. We see it happen all the time. People love the world so much, they go to the world and they try to kind of keep Christianity there, but the world has such a hold on them. Runaways, they're Christian people. They run away and they come back. Reliables. Stay there. They were all Christians. But you know what? If a renegade died, and that renegade was a Christian, would still go to heaven. You could be a good person, but you're not a Christian. You're not going to heaven. And maybe you're here.
today and you said, I've never come to the point in my life where I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I've never trusted him as my savior. You can't, you can't be resourceful. You can't start good until you first start with him. How many men, women, boys, and girls in here today to say, preacher, I may not be the best Christian in here, but I know one thing, I am a Christian. If that's you, would you raise your hands real high? God bless you, you may put them down. Now listen to me very carefully. I'm going to ask this general, how many who just raised your hands and say, you know, preacher, I've been close to that renegade. There, there are some things that I'm hanging on to I need to get rid of. There have been times when I've kind of run away or rejected or refused to do some things, but God's been good to me. But I know one thing, I sure want to be like Luke. How many say, God's spoken to my heart today, preaching, I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hands up real high? Those who just raised your hand, God's spoken to my heart. Thank you, you may put them down. Now last question, is there a man, woman, boy, or girl who here today will say, preacher, I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven, but I know I don't want to go to hell. Would you pray for me? Is anyone like that here today who will say, I want to be honest with you and honest with God. I'm not 100% sure if I died today I'd go to heaven, but I am 100% sure I don't want to go to hell. Would you pray for me? If that's you, no one looking around, slip your hand up for just a moment. Man, woman, boy, girl. Anyone at all? Thank you, I see your hand, God bless you. And someone will be glad to take the Bible or to just preach from and show you how to go to heaven, how to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who will never run away from you. He'll take you just as you are and save your soul. Let's stand together, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking, and I'm gonna pray. I want to pray. Maybe the renegade, maybe the runaway doesn't apply to you, but you sure want to be reliable. And maybe you just need to come and ask God to help you to never even contemplating running away or contemplating being a renegade and loving the world. And maybe you ought to fall at this altar and talk to the Lord today. Our Father, I pray for this young man that raised his hands and He's never trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. God, I pray that you would come. Let someone take a Bible, show him how to be saved, how to take us from the time that we were born. We were born sinners and been running after sin ever since. But Jesus died. The Spirit was raised from the dead. He put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You'd run toward him and save his soul. I pray you'll bless there. Now I pray for men, women, boys, and girls. Only you can see the hearts. We can preach about it, but you see every heart. And I pray if there's some here that are nearing renegade status by having too much of the world, I pray they'll come. I pray there may be some here that's saying, you know, it's too hard. It's too hard, this Christianity, bordering on a runaway. I pray they may come. Then I pray for those who are longing to be like Luke. They'll come here today and ask for your grace and your strength. You bless this invitation. Do only what you can do, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, as the invitation song is played, if God spoke to your heart in any of those categories,
There's a place here called the altar where you can talk to God in a special way. And if God spoke to your heart, then you ought to come. Find your place at this old-fashioned altar and let God deal with your heart. As the invitation song is sung, if God speaks to your heart, you come. He said, oh, but I'm, I'm serving God. Yeah, so was Demas. So was Mark. But I do all of these things. Yeah, so did they. Only God knows. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You raise your, you've not saved the day. Why don't you come? One of these men will be glad to take a Bible and show you from God's Word how to settle this once and for all you'll have that full assurance in your heart that Jesus is my Savior. You need to come, you come right this moment. We'll wait. Pastor, you come. While these are praying here, there may be others. Here's an opportunity for you. Let's bow our heads for a moment while these are praying. There's still an opportunity for you. How about you, that one young man that raised his hand? Unsure. We have someone here that will help you, we counsel you, take the Word of God and show you how that you can trust Jesus, how you can know for sure today, before the next hour is over, how that you will have a home in heaven. Would you come? We won't hurt you. We won't embarrass you. We won't do anything of that nature. We sincerely want to be a help to you because we want you to know. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning again, we're so appreciative of your word and how your word affects people. We thank you for the message. We thank you for the messenger. We thank you, Lord, that you have spoken to hearts today and what kind of Christian that we are or what we could be. Lord, I pray that you would help us. May it be instilled in our heart. May we meditate upon it throughout this day that, and determine that we want to be that reliable Christian. Prevent us, Lord, and protect us from being a renegade or even a runaway. Thank you so much for the young man that walked forward. <laughs> he needs Jesus. He's already admitted that. 
And I pray that you'd give him, as you've given him courage already, I pray that you'd give him understanding. I pray that you'd be with also the counselor to help him, give him wisdom to be able to answer the questions, be able to show him accurately from your word how to trust you. We love you today. Thank you for the attention everyone's given. In Jesus' name, amen.